What's going on, everyone, and welcome into another episode of Expected Bets 4, your weekly NHL gambling podcast presented by the Odds Breakers. Today, we'll be breaking down the second round matchups and offering a few plays as well, including some game one picks. The NHL playoffs have been absolutely wild so far with five of the eight opening round series going the distance. Uh, and I guess with all that being said, let's bring in my co-host, Matt. Matt, I saw you tweet out uh, the round one uh, kind of selections and prices. How'd you do? It's good. Uh, finished six and two up about 3.7 units overall. Uh, could have been fantastic if the Washington Capitals could hold a lead for just one more game uh, and at least win their third game. I don't know you're saying win the series. Just win their third game, which they failed to, or blew in three games in a row. But overall, good. I uh, would have rather lost my New York Rangers win the series bet, but, you know, can't win them all or can't lose them all, unfortunately, in that case. Um, and I'm just going to hammer the Hurricanes instead. Yeah, Love it. Love it. I think that's a great strategy, uh, especially. And then next, we'll bring on uh, Chuck, a.k.a. Frank of the Banker on Twitter. Chuck, we had a lot of late games in the East Coast. How's the energy level feeling? Oh, man. I was up watching that Calgary game. I, I couldn't go to sleep. I just had to finish it out. But it's been wearing on me watching these late games. But it's fun. I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah, I agree. I, I was the same way, too. I turned it off, and I immediately just laid in bed for about five minutes. I was like, I can't do this. I got to watch this game. So I turned it right back on. Yep. And last but certainly not least, we have founder, president, CEO, player, basically Jackie Moon of the Capper Cup here. Betsky, how's it going? <laughs> pretty good how about you guys well i already heard but yeah doing well luckily for me on the uh west coast which is the best coast we don't need to stay up as late to watch these games so i got to kind of finish pouting about the suns getting absolutely spanked by dallas and then watch ottinger pretty much absolutely spank calgary but they managed to pull that one through yeah that was another worldly performance i think it was the second most saves in a game seven in nhl history he pulled off there with 64 he was credited with so I didn't think Calgary was going to get through. Honestly, in the overtime, I was unsure. I I was nervous any time Dallas was in Calgary's zone because it just felt like – it kind of felt like at any given moment it was going to be a repeat of the Patty Kane Stanley Cup goal where some weird bounce just finishes it. I, could, I just was picturing Jason Robertson skating down the ice with his hands up, flying his gloves off, and but we didn't quite get there. It was, yeah. it was crazy. I saw a tweet that was like, Jake Ottinger literally said like 14 goals above expected, which in a single playoffs was about, I think that finishes like fifth in NHL playoff history. The only problem is every person above him made it to Stanley Cup. He got eliminated in round one. And he's literally like fifth or sixth in, in a single playoff series. Like he played out of this world. I feel so bad for the guy. Because like... There's literally nothing else he could have done. And of all goals to give it up on, like it was a goal that he probably should have had. Yeah. Right after he made like three unbelievable saves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. Let's get into some general NHL news and notes here. I mean, DeBoer's out in Vegas, wrapped up his third season as Golden Knights head coach, had a 98, 50, and 12 record. He still had one year left on his deal. Um, he was the second coach in Golden Knights history. This Golden front Golden Knights front office, ownership, whatever you want to say, seems to be very sporadic, especially with the way they're building their team, the way they've kind of gone through coaches, just firing them kind of at will. I guess you can say DeBoer, I don't know if he necessarily deserved it given the year. Uh, Matt, what's your kind of thoughts here? 
I mean, one, I'm very biased because I'm not a big fan of Pete DeBoer. Um, but he very obviously has a very, very, I guess, concerning trend with teams that he goes to. The first year he is at a new team, it's great. That team usually goes on an incredible run, and it's now happened in four teams in a row. Uh, started in Florida. They made the playoffs. They were on the up and up. They looked great. By year three, he was fired. New Jersey, first year. He made the cup finals. They lost. By year four, he's done. San Jose made the cup final. Uh, I think officially he was fired in his fifth year there, but after the first year, he never reached those same heights. Same thing, Vegas. They made the conference finals in his first year. They actually, I think they made the Stanley Cup finals the next, or uh, the Western Conference final the next year. Either way, it seems like he wears out his welcome very quickly at any team that he's at. So it's like they have that initial jolt of him being a good coach, and then it just fails for whatever reason. Uh, I hated him as a Devils coach. I don't want him back if people are going to start suggesting that. Um, he's not a very good coach at building for the future. He relies a lot on older players. He doesn't really give you the chance. Uh, but I'm still surprised. I think Vegas had everything that possibly could go wrong to them go wrong, and they still almost made it. I thought they were going to be one of those teams that gives them like 10, 15 games. And like, right, let's see how you start the season off. Like Everyone's healthy. Everyone's back. Let's see how you do. But as you mentioned, like we all know Vegas to be very reactionary. It's not, I don't think anyone's surprised that they made a quick reactionary decision in Candom here. Yes, Chuck, I saw you shaking your head a little bit. What are your thoughts on this one? I agree. I mean, they, they weren't healthy all year, right? So you look at that on the surface and it makes it seem bad. But when they did finally get everybody together, they were given almost every chance possible to make the playoffs. Dallas and, and Nashville, it was like they didn't want it. But then Vegas didn't want it more almost. You know, they, they lost to the, that game to the Devils, which was unreal. And um, I just – I think that's really – it's almost the recency bias of, of not being able to come up in the clutch when they needed to at the end of the season with everybody that kind of ended him. Yeah, Betsky, any takes here? Yeah, I mean – I don't mind seeing Vegas go through a little bit of pain. Uh, I like seeing that they're kind of scrambling at this point. I mean, they don't have a prospect pool. They uh, aren't giving coaches kind of a second chance. Uh, the Eichel effect seems to have already taken place. So interesting to see what happens. I mean, Trotz is a hell of a coach, though. I don't know if it will mesh well, but should be interesting. I, I wanna, the whole, the I wanna... whole offseason for Vegas is going to be going to be kind of fascinating, I think. Do you think what happened with Robin Lehner is the reason that they fired Pete DeBoer? And they're like, in hopes that they're like, hey, if we fire this coach, we bring someone new in, like we at least have a chance of bringing him back next year. Or is that relationship so severed that like no matter what they did, like Robin Lehner's probably looking elsewhere? I don't know. Oh, I mean, just he is, he, Lehner's just. He's a head case. Yeah, he's very outspoken. I mean, I mean, he had those issues in Buffalo, obviously dealt with them, yeah. overcame them. Um, you wonder if it was DeBoer, though, directly making that decision, basically to kind of force him in, or if it was kind of front office or upper management essentially saying, hey, we got to give it one last go here with him, you know? Yeah. That was bizarre, too, because Thompson was playing pretty well on that stretch. Yeah. It didn't make any sense to force an injured Leonard in there. I don't, I don't understand that. No, I would agree. And then kind of going off that, speaking of Barry Trotz, he is out in New York 
Lane Lambert, who's been Trotz's right-hand man for a while with him in uh, New York, Washington, and Nashville. They also won the Cup together uh, when they were in Nashville. Takes over the head coaching role for the Islanders. This is his first full-time head coaching job. He does have some NHL experience, though. Played 283 games in the 1980s and was drafted 25th overall by Detroit in 1983. Anyone want to take this one? Where is Trotz going? Kind of where, where, are we, where are we moving on here for the Islanders fans? Do we like to hire? Do we not like to hire? So, one, I would love Barry Trotz in New Jersey. It's not going to happen. Um, I think he's going to Vegas, the aforementioned Vegas. Uh, it just makes too much sense. A team that wants to win now, um, a team that needs results, and he's a guy who's brought results both to Washington, to New York. Uh, so I definitely think that just makes so much sense for him to go there. If you're an Islanders fan, I- I'd be furious at the move. I-, I don't understand why one year where uh, so much went wrong for them, uh, you know, I think this is very reactionary. I think he's one of the best head coaches in the NHL and you're giving up that guy that, you know, is a year removed from taking a team that had no business being in the Eastern conference finals. Um, and you're going to remove him. Uh, I think it's very reactionary. I, you don't know what Lane Lambert's going to bring, right? Yeah. He's been learning from Barry Trotz, but we, I don't know enough about him to kind of tell, is that a good hire or not? But I just think overall, it's a bad move getting rid of Barry Trotz. Is there, I, what's the best case scenario? Lane Lambert, is going to be just as good as him. Like, you know, Barry Trotz is one of the best coaches in the NHL. Yeah, Betsky. Yeah, and sorry if I sound like I was being a soothsayer and already predicting that Trotz was in Vegas earlier. But, uh, I mean, it, do, it does seem like it's kind of pointed in that direction. But also, uh, it feels like a very football move where it's kind of like get rid of the coach, just put in some assistant coaches that have been around that coach and let's keep it going. Um, it, that's not very, you don't see that often in the NHL. Um, being a Yotes fan, watching them take like three months to trying to figure out who should be the co- next coach and going with a guy without any NHL experience, but had a ton of Team Canada experience, have been around juniors forever. It, it's really strange to just see it an org like the Islanders just kind of push one coach out and just make their decision very quickly afterwards, but we'll see. Yeah. It almost seems like Trotz kind of organized, organized the uh, step down himself basically of kind of putting his next man in charge. Um, Chuck, any thoughts here? Yeah. I mean, I kind of echo what everybody said, but um Hey, the, the Highlanders started this season on the road for, I forget how much, the number 13. of games, 13 games. I mean, that's brutal. And then they had the, the run of COVID before they started canceling games. So they were one of those teams that had to put out those AHL rosters. And um, I mean, they, they were just started the season at such a disadvantage. It's bizarre for them to fire trots after what he sh- has shown in the past. So again, I, I don't understand the firing. It doesn't make sense. And he probably will go to Vegas because it just makes sense. But I'll take him in Philly if he's uh, if he's willing. The only thing that makes sense is that their rumors came out um, with, like, there was, like, friction in the locker room between him and Matt Barzell, um, which is the only thing that makes any sense to me here, that, like, the Islanders ra- would rather protect their young star um, over a coach. Again, that's purely rumor. We do not know if that's true. 
But if it is true, like, okay, I kind of at least have an understanding of, like, why they would have made that move. Yeah, and, I mean, you look at the Islanders roster, I don't think it's necessarily young. So it's not like he's a guy that they're bringing in who's kind of developed those prospects through the AHL, essentially, and knows all the guys on the team. He's been following Trotz around for the past how many years? Um, and Trotz basically just kind of left him in New York and says, here's your head coaching job. Like, that's what you wanted, basically. Um, so interesting move for but sure. That Islanders team is in an awful spot. They're stuck with long-term contracts to up there in age guys. They have the 32nd ranked prospect pool in the NHL. And they have a GM who literally every year w- will not rebuild. Like I witnessed yeah. it with Lillard Mill in New Jersey. He refuses to ever pull a plug and just rebuild your team. They're gonna co- they're gonna probably sign two free agents to big long-term contracts or up there in age. They're gonna trade their first round pick probably for someone. It they're in a really bad spot. Like they're a team that I think needs to just right now make a decision of like they probably should be blowing it up, but I don't think they can when they have Anders Lee, Kyle Palmieri. Um, there's another, there's two more older dudes on the team. I can't even think of it. Like Brock Nelson and one of the defenders. And it's like, I don't know if they can rebuild if they wanted to, but I, they need to because they have an awful prospect pool. Yeah, yeah, it's like the New York good old boys club. And, you know, they all have to abide by Lou and the no beards and they all play kind of this old school type of game. Yet they have just a speedster and Barzell. And this year, especially, you can see like the chemistry not working out quite as well as some of those past years. But now they've really painted themselves in the corner. It's, I, I really think that nothing's going to change between this year and next year, though. I think they'll, they're going to be one of those teams that re-rolls the dice they may make the playoffs. They may be right outside of it next year with a healthy roster and not a brutal schedule. And it's just going to kick the the can down the line a little bit longer. And it's going to be absolute pain once they hit that point where it's time to rebuild. And they and some of their big, tough 60-point forwards are breaking down from age and health and they lose a lot of value. It's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. But – so, so the point I'm making, I just pulled them up on Cap Friendly, is they have Anders Lee signed till he's, what, 37, Brock Nelson till he's 35, Kyle Palmieri till he's 36, John Gabriel Peugeot till he's, what's the math on that, six years, 35, Andrew Bailey till he's 35, and all these guys are making $5 million plus a year. Would you trust any of those guys to be like, you know what, I really think they're going to be top six forwards for a Stanley Cup winning team? Maybe I mean, Brock uh, Nelson? Yeah, I was going to say Lee and Nelson are kind of nice pieces for, you know, like a team like Toronto. I mean, they don't even need to be top six guys on these other teams because they bring so much more to the ice than just putting up points. But I yeah, but they're getting paid contracts for that. <laughs> Anders Lee, seven million for the next seven I, years. Brock Nelson, and, six million yeah. for the next five years. Yeah, I had it in my head that these guys were had two or three more years left in, in the like five mil range, but oi. On top of all that, Lee, Nelson, Palmieri, Pajot all have full no-trade clauses. Oh, my gosh. It, it, I mean, it looks kind of like Jersey did about 10 years ago, right? Oh, yeah. I, I will never <laughs> knock Lou for the job that he did in New Jersey because he put us on the map. He put a great team out there. But when everything went wrong and the time was to rebuild this team from scratch, he just didn't do it. That's the yeah. only fault I have to him. Like, he didn't know, like – when time was up like that was it 
Like we needed a rebuild so badly and he would never, ever do it. Instead of rebuilding properly, we traded the ninth overall pick for Corey Schneider. You know, we signed Ryan Clough and Mike Cal- uh, Camilleri to long-term contracts and had to buy him out. Like that's the one thing I always had against Lou Lamarillo is he just wouldn't rebuild. Yeah. I guess we'll see what uh, the Islanders do moving forward. But now that we have all the coaching uh, kind of changes and news out of the way, you guys ready to get into the second round of the playoffs? Yep. And we got a treat. FanDuel and uh, DraftKings already has shot props up for tomorrow night. Yeah, I just saw that too. Look wow. At the <laughs> wow. They're juiced they're though, man. They're, they're juiced. Uh, they are. Oh, I was hoping yeah. they re- kind of reset a little bit. Uh, are you kidding me? They are so juiced, but yeah. I already have one. Perron's minus 150. Yeah. yeah, there's a couple. But... Looking... Oh, I already have a parlay ready. I got one parlay <laughs> ready. <laughs> all right. With oh, that, all... to go, boys. Yeah. With that being said, let's kick off the first matchup. The Battle of Florida. Panthers take on the Tampa Bay Lightning. These teams met last year in the first round of the playoffs where we really saw Florida's goaltender issues just highlighted on display. Bobrovsky starts game one. Dreiger comes in for games two and three. Bobrovsky hops back in net for game four. And then Spencer Knight takes over games five and six, and they get knocked out by Tampa Bay in six games. The teams have met four times in the regular season, obviously, uh, split the series, but most notable to me is that last game before the playoffs happened, uh, Tampa Bay came into uh, Florida and just demolished them eight to four, really sent a message, snapped Florida's 13 game win streak. Kucher off at five points. Stamkos had four. Um, interestingly, I mean, the line too is also kind of odd. Florida minus 165, Tampa Bay plus 132. So I guess we'll start off with you, Cheds here. You were hoping for the caps here. Didn't get it done. What are your thoughts on this Florida team that now that they advanced uh, to the second round or won their first playoff series since 1996? Yeah, so just to give a little bit of clarification, in terms of the line, I think purely it's because Braden Point is confirmed out for game one. I think John Cooper said earlier today that he expects him to be day-to-day. This will not be a long-term thing. However, he is confirmed out. Um, And that's a big loss. He's a consistent like playoff performer uh, for that team. Um, I love Tampa Bay. Uh, I love Tampa Bay in the series. Um, I, I guess I'm going to either make my name or be like, go down in infamy if the Panthers go on a crazy run, but you can't, we said you can't consistently come back in playoff games and they continuously did it in the first round. Yep. Andre Vasilevsky is a different beast. Yeah, they led Florida led the NHL and comeback wins with 29 during the regular season and did it again in their final three to close out Washington. Uh, Betsky, what are your thoughts here on the Panthers uh, heading into round two versus Tampa Bay? Oh, I mean, it's hard not to want Tampa on this, but uh, I'm I'm gonna look for some magic in this this cup run, and I I'm gonna do Florida in seven. I'm I'm gonna lean on the home, the home wins, the come from behinds. I'm gonna lean that they learned a little bit from the pushback they got from Washington. Um, I definitely thought Tampa got better as their series went on, but they don't look quite as sharp as they had the past two postseasons. 
So I, I just want to see a little magic here. So I'll probably have real conservative picks from for the next couple of series, but I'm, I'm going to do Florida in seven. Yeah. Chuck, do we think this is a Bobrovsky redemption tour here uh, from last year? He has a history of struggling uh, versus Tampa Bay in the last three seasons. His safe percentage is all below 900 in those regular season matchups. What are your thoughts here? I thought he looked pretty good against Washington, but it's Washington. I mean, I'm not saying they're a bad team, but their offense doesn't compare to to Tampa's. So I don't know. I I think that the value is on Tampa here. I know – Florida has home ice advantage, which is massive. But in a series, I think could go six or seven games. I'd rather have Vasilevsky than Bobrovsky. And I'd rather have the experience of Tampa over, over Florida. So I, I think it's uh, lightning and six actually is my, my pick, but you can get Tampa just on to win the series at plus plus one thirty, I think. So I'm, I'm probably going to lock that in. Yeah. Betsky, you, uh, you'd mentioned that. Tampa just looks slow and kind of tired. I, I would agree completely with that. Uh, that was kind of the first thing that jumped out to me. And then they just finished a game, series, seven games. Now it looks like this one's going six or seven as well. Do you think it's just kind of the wheels falling off eventually for them? or? You know, one big thing here, and correct me if I'm wrong, but did Panthers get a power play point? in the entire Washington series, right? They didn't get one. The Zero. Last game, right? so, Zero. Yeah. yeah. So Florida if, went if, 0 18 on the power play and became the ninth team in NHL history to win a best of seven series without scoring a power play goal. Wow. That's what a nifty the, little stat. I was going to say the problem with that is they were trending in that direction in the regular season. They were yeah, already I, getting like a lot of, they weren't winning games because of their special team, their power play, especially. Not no, right. but and and I just kind of feel, man, if they can get that first power play point, they may be able to ride a little momentum there. And I don't know. To me, Florida hasn't looked like they clicked yet. And maybe it was because Capitals just kind of played them tough and played them in quite possibly the the exact opposite way they wanted to play the games. And if they can just get a little bit of momentum and it's not coming off of a missed empty net or – or a quick overtime win. I, I really think they, they got a chance here. I, yeah. I definitely think that safe play is Tampa winning the series with plus money. Don't get me wrong, but I, again, I want to see a little magic. I think sometimes things just kind of work out and I like that they had to go through some adversary adversary to get here. And, and I, I think they're going to continue uh, kind of turning some heads, but. Yeah, Chad's. Go ahead. I, I was gonna say I'm looking at Florida's special team stats in the first round, and that just worries me. Like they were yeah. doing this against a pretty, I don't want to say bad, but mediocre Washington Capitals team. Tampa Bay special teams looked incredible against a very good Toronto Maple Leafs team. Like the Toronto Maple Leafs, I believe, are first or second in the NHL on the power play. The entire series, Tampa Bay killed off what 86 percent of their penalties. Like, they were very, very good. And if they could shut down a Toronto Maple Leafs high-powered, well-run power play, I can't see the Florida Panthers kind of breaking through that. Um, Super hypothetical. What if points out for the first four games? That would absolutely change my mind, yes. Like, you're losing a a game-breaker there. Um, But I think we're betting into the unknown. John Cooper said he's only out for game one and day-to-day after that, so – 
I'm just going to have to go off that basis. Um, but I agree with you. Like, yes, if Braden points out for the entire series or if he's out for four or five games, that's such a huge difference maker right there. Yeah. He's been, he was their best player in back-to-back years in the playoffs, I think. Yeah. yeah I think and, you got to hope he's back by game three, worst case scenario, I think. If you're yeah. Tampa. And, and when you look at Tampa's top six, it's not the same as it was a couple of years ago. Even the top um, nine. Yeah, even the top nine. I mean, people are starting to age out a little bit. I mean, Stamkos is arguably at his best season in a long time, but Palat's getting up there. Klorn's getting up there. I mean, they're all kind of playoff producers and playoff war- like road dogs and warriors and whatnot. But at some point, I, I mean, I, I feel like this is – if they can get out of this series oh, – the whole East is the whole East is tough. So even if they get out of this series, they may be playing Carolina next, and it's gonna be tough too. But I I just personally think like yeah, their top nine's different from what it was, but like their trade deadline pickups literally won them game seven. Like yeah. Nick Paul yeah, probably gave his life. He yeah. not only the two goals, like he was flying out there, he could have scored four. Like he was incredible. Yeah. Um, and Brandon Hagel on the penalty kill was incredible. Like yeah. They just have like the formula down at this point. Like they yeah. lost Goudreau and Coleman, and they're like, we're just gonna get like for like players, put them in our top nine. They can play the penalty kill, real fast players, but also kind of gritty. We don't need them to score a lot, but they end up just scoring more goals than their stars in big games every single time. Yeah, and Ross Colton's been great. I mean, you can start moving these guys up lines if you need to because people are getting worn out. I mean, it- that's the crazy part. They lose, they lose Yanni Gord. And Ross Colton yep. just comes in and has a better year than Yanni Gord had the year he was there. Like, it, I think part of it's down to the system they have. I think John Cooper's a fucking incredible coach. Mm. Um, and they just are able to develop players so, so well. And it helps that when you're bumped up a line and you're playing with, like, Nikita Kucherov and Steven Samko, you're going to put mm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. So, Petsky, you gave out your series pick? Yeah, I'm going to do, I'm going to do Florida and seven. Okay. Franco, you said what? Tampa Bay? Tampa and six. Tampa and six. All right. Chad's, what do you got here? Tampa and six. Okay. I'm with Betsky on here. I think it goes seven, but I think Tampa ultimately wins this, mm. um, just given their depth. Um, and just kind of what Cheddar's been saying is they just have the formula down. They really do. Um, but all right, I guess we can touch on game one then. So this game one, obviously we're recording on Monday. Game one will happen tomorrow in Florida. Tampa Bay is plus 140 on the money line. Florida is minus 160 with the over-under being set at seven juice to the under at minus 130. In their last two regular season games, uh, they combined for 12 goals, and then they combined for 11. Obviously, these two teams can score. Bobrovsky, major concern in net for Florida here. What are your thoughts on this total being set at seven? When's the last time you remember a playoff game with the total being set at seven? I wholeheartedly agree with you. This is playoff hockey. This is not regular season hockey. I'm not saying that it won't go over. Like, uh, yes, there is a path for this going over. But, man, I'm not I'm not touching this. Like, you have Andre Vasilevsky in net in a playoff game. I, I'm absolutely not touching this over under. No playoff game, in my opinion, should ever be at seven. I think six and a half would be, like, the max that I would ever touch. Yeah, Betsky here, what are your thoughts? Money line yeah. total. Yeah, I, I mean, I 
definitely won't be touching the over seven, maybe, maybe parlay and over six with the Colorado over six, uh, that didn't kind of treat me well with the Toronto Tampa series, parlaying it with the blues Minnesota one, but, uh, this is definitely going to be a wait and see series for me to see how the totals look and, and even kind of the swings. I, uh, let's see what the reg win is for Florida plus a hundred, I believe. Yep. Yeah. I may dabble in that. I, this is one of those series. I don't, I can't see too many games going to overtime. I kind of feel like it's going to be more like the Toronto series where there's big four to two wins um, kind of going each side and flip flopping. But all I know is it's going to be, should be good hockey. I'm, I'm really excited for it, but I, I'll, you know, I'll, tomorrow's pick for this game. I'll, I'll do the Florida reg win. I think I'll lean on that. All right, Chuck, any thoughts on game one here? I kind of agree with Besky here. I do think if Florida, Florida's going to want to get this first win, especially at home. Yep. I, I kind of like the value there at plus 100. Um, <clears throat> typically, game ones of, of a series, um, first periods usually are, are tight, tight and kind of feeling each other out. So I might kind of do this with every game. Um, the first 10 minutes of the first period under a half a goal. This one's plus 150 here. So not a full unit or anything like that, but I might I might do like a half on that just to have one of those, you know, early first half of the game is just slow, feeling it out, dumping chase, nothing much going on. And I also saw Verhage point at minus 130. He's been so good. Yeah. And I, I don't know why you, you wouldn't go back to that with how he's been playing. Yeah, speaking of Verhage, he had the most uh, points in a single playoff series by a Panthers player in team history. Um and oddly enough, I mean, Huberto only at three, um, but he did have 10 points for Tampa Bay last year in the playoffs. So maybe he just kind of gets up for these rivalry matchups. Side note Verhage. here, Chad, Ver- what's going on? Uh, with what? Pittsburgh? Yeah, so I, I just posted it because it just came up on my timeline. Um, but apparently uh, a couple of things happened in Pittsburgh that just came out. So one uh, – Bigger news that I didn't post in the chat. Sidney Crosby passed this concussion test before game six, asked to play, and the team refused to let him play oh. uh, in game six. On top of that, uh, apparently they bo- they offered matching three-year $15 million deals to Chris Letang and uh, Evgeny Malkin, which are very big, I guess, low-ball offers. Uh, and also, apparently, that did not sit very well with Sidney Crosby. Um so I don't really know what what's going on there, but that could be huge, huge news. According to their number one beat writer, uh, Real Rob Rossi, he does not expect uh, Evgeny Malkin, Crystal Tang, or Brian Rust to be back next year. Wow. Whoa. Changing of the guard. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. So that whole team could get blown up as well. But all right, getting back, Chad, you're talking about player props, I believe you said, or what are you yes. going with here? So, I was, I'm glad Chuck brought it up. Uh, Carter Verhage at minus 130 is incredible value. Uh, he's a UFA at the end of the year, so he's just backing up the Brinks trucks right now. Um, he's about to get paid so much. The, this is the the one, I guess, downside of him doing this in the playoffs is like Florida's not going to be able to keep him. There's going to be some team that's going to offer him five, six million dollars. Teams constantly do it, and they overpay players who had really good playoffs. Um, 
Buffalo. And I can just see that happening again. There's going to be something that's going to do it. Um, mm. He's been awesome this playoffs. Um, so minus 130, incredible value. Um, it's a parlay piece more than anything else, but Nikita Kucherov at minus 160 for the over two and a half shots on goal. Really good value. He said, I think like 75% of his games away from home. He's much better away than at home for shots on goal. Um, so you're going to have to find another parlay piece in the, the second game. But knowing the Colorado team, there won't be too hard to find some parlay pieces at home with Colorado there. Um, so we'll, we'll touch on that when we get to that game. Uh, but just off the top of my head without looking at it, something like Kucherov and Nichushkin, um on a shots on goal parlay. Probably That's the exact same like one I was going to do. Plus 140, plus 150 for you. Yep, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. All right, so I think we're kind of all – uh, good with the Battle of Florida. I guess we can move on to the other Eastern Conference matchup, the Carolina. Oh, actually, oh. so, sorry, one more thing. I didn't uh, go over the actual game. I actually do like uh, everyone's pick in Florida in regulation for game one with Braden Point out. I'm sorry. Nope, that sounds good. Um, all right, moving on to Carolina, New York. New York competes, completes the uh, 3-1 comeback uh, versus the Pittsburgh Penguins. Honestly, I don't think anyone really saw it coming. I mean, kind of Crosby goes out. Uh, is the five these five stats of him and Gensel on the ice versus off the ice are just absolutely incredible. Um, and I mean, Carolina took Boston to seven games. Uh, they ended up winning at home, kind of continuing that trend of that series of the home team just winning each game. Um, interesting series here. Not many people are giving the Rangers a chance, especially coming off their series versus Pittsburgh here. Um, Chuck, what are your thoughts here? Do you think New York has any shot at winning this series? Nope. Uh, <laughs> keep it short and sweet. Uh, no. Um, so Pittsburgh outplayed them every five game. Versus five versus five. Yeah, in general, incredibly. But five versus five especially was the numbers are just ridiculous. I saw so many posts of the, the deserve to win meter on money puck and stuff yeah. like that. And it's insane. So – I think now you're going from Deming to Ranta, which is obviously anything's better than Deming, you know. Um, and I think the Canes can shut down that Rangers power play a lot better than Pittsburgh did. They they had you know top top five in the league, I believe, and they did a pretty pretty good job against Boston, even though they're they're a tough team. So I I just don't see a way with the way the Rangers played and the amount of shots they gave up to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was dominant in that game. And the only reason they had a chance was because of, of Shesterkin. So, I mean, maybe he can continue to steal games, but I don't know. I, I don't see it. I, I locked in Keynes at minus one and a half on the series spread last night. I believe Cheds did as well. So um, for game one, I like, I like Keynes and Reg. It's minus one and five. So I, th- I think I'm going to probably bet that as well. Yeah. Cheds, do we think Igor rides that game seven high here? and uh, kind of propels the Rangers to win at least a few games here? Or, again, just kind of echoing Franco, just standing no chance? So I'll give over some numbers about why I think this is going to be an absolute drubbing. Um, Igor Shostakhin is a fucking fantastic goalie, and I'm so pissed that the Rangers have gone from Henrik Lundqvist to him because they were awful. So just to give you some numbers in context here, the New York Rangers in the regular season were 23rd in the NHL for or five on five play. They finished at negative 18 expected goals differential between what they actually had and what where they should have been. Um, that's bad in itself. 
any team in and around them didn't even come close to sniffing the playoffs. They're the only team in that area. The Blues are, I think, a couple teams away. But besides them, no team even came close to sniffing the playoffs. They played the Pittsburgh Penguins team that was ranked sixth in the NHL, five on five. And there's something about like plus 23 goals or something like that, five on five. The Carolina Hurricanes are the second best team in the NHL, five on five. And they doubled what Pittsburgh did at almost like plus 46 goals, five on five. And there's only one team better than the Carolina Hurricanes, five on five. And the Carolina Hurricanes just eliminated them in the first round. And it's the Boston Bruins. I think the the Carolina Hurricanes are going to absolutely destroy uh, the New York Rangers. I think Igor Shosturkin might be able to steal a game, maybe two. But I just can't see them winning that many games uh, against this Carolina Hurricanes team. Yeah, you might say they had a tough seven-game series. But like I said, the Boston Bruins are no slouches. Like, I truly believe that either one of those teams, if they won, they they should be the favorites to come out of the, this Metro division. So the numbers just don't add up to the Rangers. Yes, I do have a ton of bias against them too because I just don't like them. Um, so that has to be taken into consideration. But five on five, you cannot constantly be getting outplayed like that and winning games. Like, I I just don't see how it's sustainable. Yeah. Betsky, do you think Tony D'Angelo gets a parade when he comes back? Or what are we thinking for his uh, reunion <laughs> uh, tour here? You know, it's the only way Rangers maybe can squeak out a, a series win, let alone just a handful of wins, is Carolina being undisciplined and maybe the leader of the pack of uh, getting in the box and putting them in a bad spot would be D'Angelo. Um, see if he gets too hot-headed or just make some dumb penalties. I mean, Carolina sunk themselves and I think it was the second game against Boston and Boston by just taking tons and tons of penalties. So, uh, you know, as Chad's highlighted, you know, that's where Rangers can capitalize, but again, I, I just can't see it happening across seven games. Um, yeah. But I, I'm excited to see the the Boobirds fly out uh, against D'Angelo on his return to New York and and I think this is going to be a chippier series than we expect. I could kind of see maybe even like a little bit of a rivalry starting here. We have two kind of up and coming teams. One's a little bit more established than the other. I mean, we got kind of, you know, uh, the Yankees versus the, the old South in a way. And maybe we kind of have kind of different fan bases clashing. It could be kind of fun. Um, not trying to pit like, yeah, you got the, the worlds old against each other, but <laughs> yeah, you yeah. do the old guard and the Rangers basically. Yeah. And then you have this kind of new fun team coming out of Carolina, uh, really putting an emphasis, I guess, on fan interaction, essentially uh, playing kind of this fun style of hockey. But question for Chuck here Anderson's expected to return in uh, this series. Who gets the net? It's tough. I mean, I, I would assume that he gets almost the Marc-Andre Fleury treatment where he's the guy, they brought him in, He's got, he gets the net when he comes back. Yeah, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Hopefully, if he's back, he's 100%, and he is the better goalie than Ranta. But Ranta has looked good, so there could be some controversy if they put him in and they lose a game or something like that. We'll see what happens, but hopefully they're wise. And- we'll see. In my opinion, you run Ranta until he has a poor game. He's the hot hand right now. Guy's injured, rusty, hasn't played in a while. If I'm Carolina, I'm running anti-Ranta at this point until um, either has a bad game or they lose a game. 
uh, I would not personally go into uh, going like just throwing Freddie Anderson right in. I agree. I you, you don't want to mess with that. You you want to keep him going if he's hot. I, I I would prefer that. I just don't know that they're going to do it. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, the equivalent of NFL GMs just making dumb, dumb decisions all the time is NHL coaches just reverting to the starter whenever the backup is on. I mean, it's very rare for NHL coaches to seemingly make the correct decision with starting goalies, um, especially in the playoffs. But the good news for Anderson is Toronto's struggled to stay healthy. So, you know, maybe he, maybe he gets in a car accident on his way to the rink like he did in Arizona once. And <laughs> that's a neck injury again. And, and Anderson just gets to start on a uh, principle alone here, but yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> with all that being said, what do we got for series picks here, guys? I uh, guess we rattle them off here. What are we thinking? Hurricanes and two. <laughs> i love it i love it all right so we'll pencil that down as rangers in four uh franco uh if the if the rangers win in four i will wear a new york rangers jersey for an entire day if the rangers sweep the carolina hurricanes i will literally wear a rangers jersey around i'll take it into work one day when i'm in new york city we can up I'll this people... we can up this yeah, we, need like, a, we need like a Rangers I'll, tattoo. I'll, yeah, I'll buy, no, I'll buy a ticket out to Jersey. I'll borrow my friend's machine and I'll give you a Rangers tattoo. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Uh, if they, they win the cup, maybe. We'll talk about tattoos down the road. But yeah, they win the cup, I'm jumping off the George Washington. <laughs> There's the high stakes we're looking for right there. There we go. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Chet's bridge watch. Um, all right. Besky, what do we got here? You're leading Carolina? Yeah, I think Carolina. I think Carolina and uh, and six probably. All right, Franco, what do we got? Canes and five. Wow. Okay, Betsky. Oh, Carolina and I'll do Carolina and six. I, I think I think we'll oh, see yeah. a little bit of goaltender controversy yeah. coming in here. I think there's going to be. One day that uh, there's kind of a changing out of Ron Teta Anderson, and we get yeah. a little bit of bumps there. Yeah. Chets, you had, what, Carolina in four? Uh, I'll go in five. Uh, right. I can see Igor stealing game. Okay. All right. I'm going to go Carolina in six. Um, for whatever reason, I don't know. I think this Rangers team somehow finds a way to win two games here. Uh, maybe one yeah. MSG with Igor just stealing one on the road, and then kind of like we talked about before, Carolina can get themselves in penalty trouble. Maybe we have one of those two-one games. Rangers win in overtime, um, something like that. But I don't know. The Rangers just—they just came back and won three to one. They're riding high right now. They do have some momentum, whether we want to classify that as deserve it or not. But they do. So um, one I last mean, thing, too, yeah. I want to point out: the um, Canes are actually two and zero on the road this season versus the Rangers, um, and those were more recent games as well. They're both in April, so. Just something to think about as far that's why I was leaning towards five because I, I think Carolina can win one on the road and I think they should go two and at home to start. So yeah, I guess we can touch on game one here. Carolina minus 165 on the money line, Rangers plus 145, over under set at six, juice to the under. What do you think here in game one here, Besky? You're chomping. I'm taking 
Yeah, I'm taking the over. I mean, we just saw it in the pit pit uh ranger series i think every single game hit six or more yep uh same thing but the last game for the boston carolina series i mean ronta's been great he's been winning them games he's still allowing two goals and that's kind of all you need in these situations both teams can score um i i like the over six here um until i see otherwise i think uh just i think we're just going to have high scoring games with versus a team that relies on special teams. And then a, a Carolina, who's got the depth to even get their third line to pot in a couple goals. Yeah, Franco, any unsung heroes in uh, Carolina's first series with Boston in terms of shots on goal that you're looking at here? Or are you looking at kind of the money line or total? So I, I like Carolina and Reich. It was minus 105 for game one. Um, I, I do probably lean to that over as well. For player props, it would probably only be point props I'd be looking at. I would be interested in coming back to D'Angelo. I know he didn't hit the last game. And uh, Jacob Slavin has been red hot. Yeah. So those, yeah. those are two guys. I don't I don't like backing them for shots. I um they they seem too inconsistent for me. Aho, Suchnikov, those guys, they're hot and cold. So lots lots of good props between these two teams. I mean, the whole Rangers second line's kind of undervalued right now. You can get Copper Strom still in the minus 120-125. Slavin's uh, been just killer at plus 130, plus 120 for a point and he's had a point in five out of the six playoff games that or I'm sorry, six out of seven now. Um, yeah, lots of good value on on both of these teams with some of the people that aren't on the first line for for both teams really. Chuds, we think in Carolina puck line plus 150, game one. I, I don't, I will never touch a puck, uh, puck line negative one or minus one. <laughs> I'll refuse to do that. Yep. Um, in terms of the game, uh, Hurricanes and regulation minus 105, love it. Um, and I understand Franco's hesitancy on shots on goal, but I'm sorry, the Rangers give up more shots on goal than any other team in the playoffs. I'm going to have to go to Svechnikov, I'm going to have to go to Aho. Um, a guy that recently has kind of started to pick it back up, especially at home, and I've won a couple um, back-to-back with him, is Toivo Teravainen. Uh, I think he hit in like three home games uh, on the shots on goal side, as well as on the point. Uh, his point's been right around like that minus 120 range, so it's right about the, the upper level of where I like to be as well. Um, so I'm going to look at him. Uh, an absolutely revenge game, Tony D'Angelo, for a point. I, I have to play him. He's going to score a goal. He's going to celebrate in front of Keandre Miller. He's going to push <laughs> Alexander Georgiev on the side. Um, and Mayhem's going to break, break loose, and I'm going to love it. Yeah. I Honestly, that's not out of the question by any means, <laughs> uh, given kind of his past and everything. Um, he's going to throw a stick at Gerard Gallant. Like, we don't know what he's going to do. Yeah. This is definitely a stay classy uh, Rangers moment that we may have to see. Yeah. All yeah, right. I wouldn't mind looking at his goal. I wonder what that uh, line's going to be at. Usually, like plus four or five hundred for defensemen. All right, I guess that kind of wraps up that series. Um, we can move on to the Western Conference. Colorado takes on St. Louis. These teams met last year in the first round of the playoffs, where Colorado swept them. They outscored them twenty to seven in that series. McKinnon had nine points. Colorado, again, coming off a sweep against the Nashville Predators. They were the only team to sweep in the round, first round. Nashville obviously dealing with a bunch of goalie issues, but just clearly outmatched. Um, St. Louis defeated the Wild 4-2 to two in their opening uh, game. Uh, Perron, Riley, Tarasenko each had five goals. Clearly their, their depth 
is something that they lacked last year, especially offensively. Um, so you see my question to St. Louis, what do you think? It's six games here that can push it to, or do they stand a chance of actually winning this series? Betsky? This is the only team in this leg of, of the Western round or conference that I think could get through Colorado. I don't expect it to happen. I'll say Colorado in six, but you know, if, if somebody were to say they predicted the future and they see a blues Tampa Stanley cup, I wouldn't be completely shocked, but blues really kicked into another gear near the end of the season. Again, that depth is pretty, pretty strong. I think they arguably have maybe a deeper top nine than Colorado. I don't think they have one individual player that is better than McKinnon, Rantanen, or uh, McCarr. Um, but it, they got some playoff-tested vets. Uh, I think they are a good match against Colorado. I forget what their regular season uh, series were at, but uh, I think this is going to be the team that gives Colorado the most trouble, um, potentially out of the entire West. So... I'll still do Colorado in six, but um, I may even sprinkle on. Let me see what the St. Louis is to even win the whole the whole series, and maybe maybe throw a fiver at that. Plus three hundred. Yeah, yeah. Cheds, uh, going to you. Colorado has been knocked out in the second round each of the past three seasons. Is this the year they finally break through? I think so, but I also agree with Betsky. Like I could see St. Louis giving these guys like a, a problem. Like, St. Louis has a lot of guys that you don't want to play against. Like, guys like Ryan O'Reilly and Braden Shen, like, even Buchanevich are, like, these guys are annoying as hell to play against. Um, St. Louis has a bit of an issue on their back end. They keep having these, like, nagging injuries uh, to their defensemen who keep going out, and it's a different different one every time, which is going to be a big, big loss. My problem is I'm not comfortable enough going Avalanche minus 2.5 on a bet. Minus one and a half is juiced. Uh, I don't. I just don't know what I'm going to take bet wise here. Like I can't find the value in the series play that I really like. It, it, it's tough. I might have to go minus one and a half and just take the juice to win one unit because I think they'll win in six personally. Yeah. But I can yeah. see St. Louis giving them some problems. Yeah, I, I like St. Louis plus two and a half. Uh, it's minus one fifty uh, where I found it. But again, it's a little bit. Uh, too much juice. I'm kind of willing to lay there. Uh, Franco, your thoughts here. Um, obviously, the Blues scored what they score eight goals in the on the power play, and the, the most in the first round here. But Colorado had the best power play percentage overall here. Do you think special teams is kind of the difference in this matchup? Well, an underrated thing about the Blues as well is their PK is fantastic. Yep. So I think they could, like the others have said be a team to kind of be the thorn in the side of this team. Um, they can, in theory, shut down this Avs team. I don't know. I saw Krug is definitely out for game one, and he's traveling with the team to rehab was the wording. So I don't know what that means. I'm guessing he's just going to get some medical marijuana in Colorado. And that's about it. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, if he can get back by game three, that, that helps them a lot, especially offensively. Um, I, I agree with you. I like that plus two and a half. I wish it wasn't minus 150. Yeah. Maybe I'll look to throw something stupid with it to, to get it to closer to even money. 
Um, but I, I do like that, the plus two and a half. I, I think it's abs and six, but like the others have said, I could see a situation where the Blues do somehow pull us out. I love their depth. That, that third line of Cairo, Barbashev, and Saad is stupid as far yeah. as just playoff grittiness and skill and speed, and I, I just love it. Yeah, if you're looking for a parlay piece, Carolina to win the series minus 190, St. Louis plus two and a half games. That is plus 151 on DraftKings uh, right now. So if you are looking for that parlay piece that we talked about before, um, I guess going back here, um, like we talked about before, Bennington obviously replaces Huso uh, uh, one three straight here. Looks to be kind of returning to that 2019 form. Is he kind of the X factor in this of if St. Louis has any sort of shot he needs to kind of pull another worldly performance for them here. There's two to me. Yeah. I think Bennington could really kind of turn, turn the corner a little bit here and and really start to push the odds in blues favor. The other thing is just, just annoying Colorado enough or frustrating them enough. You know, if blues sneak out maybe a win in the first two games and then can get maybe two at home or something and really put Colorado in a bad spot. Then this whole thing gets really interesting. Uh, getting McKinnon's at sometimes the points can lose its temper. If, if they can really just kind of get him agitated and get him off his game or we've seen Kadri before just kind of lose his cool and really put his teams in bad positions. There's definitely some edges here. And again, goal, goaltending is, potentially a big one, especially if, if Bennington can keep his cool and, and kind of return back to that 19 form and, and Kemper kind of loses his, this, this all of a sudden gets interesting. Yeah. Chad's, what are your thoughts on that? I think Bennington is going to have to play the series of his life for them to actually yeah. pull this one out. And he was good against Minnesota. But he, to me, it's just he just had such a bad year. And I understand, like, in the playoffs, he really raised his game when the Blues won the Stanley Cup. But this Colorado Avalanche team is a different beast. This is not, you know, the Minnesota Wild, no disrespect to them. They're a pretty good team with a really good offense themselves. But, like, this Colorado Avalanche team is the next-level potent offense, defense, everything. Their power play in the first round was 44%. They almost scored in half of their power plays in the first round. Like, that is unheard of. Um, and, yeah, the Blues might have a good penalty kill, but, like, it's really going to be put up to the test. Because this avalanche power play sips the puck around like no team I've ever seen before on the power play. Um, Bennington's going to have to be good. I, I'm, I'm a big believer, like, your goalie's your best penalty killer, and he's going to absolutely have to be. And yeah. going into player props, I, I briefly mentioned it, but there's a lot of avalanche that I like. Most of them are going to have to be parlay pieces. Um, but if you want a non-parlay piece, I'm going right to Nathan McKinnon at yeah. home. Uh, over four and a half is minus 110. Beautiful spot. And I, I think every single game against the um, – every single game against the, the Predators, he not only hit it, he sailed past it. I think he had six in every yeah. single game. Um, and yeah, at home, I can't I – mean, I Sorry, I was at home he's hitting 70% of the time. I can't believe that line hasn't been adjusted at all. I'm writing it the entire series until it moves more. Then at, then at that point, I'll be able to shift to parlaying it because they're not moving quick enough on it. I mean, I think it was minus 110 to positive 110, the entire Blues series. Uh, he's just, McKinnon's on a different level with shooting right now. 
Um, so I'm, I'm got that one locked and loaded already. Uh, I don't, I don't think I'm going to back off the entire, probably throughout the entire Stanley cup for him. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Betsky already gave his pick in the series, Colorado in six Franco Cheds. What are you thinking here, guys? I'm going to go Colorado, Colorado, Colorado. Colorado six. Both Colorado and six. All right. Perfect. I will ride that trend here. Hopefully we're all correct uh, in this matchup. Uh, all right. We can head on to game one then. So game one, again, takes place tomorrow night. Uh, Colorado minus 215 on the money line. St. Louis plus 175. The over under being set at six and a half. Heavily juiced the over uh, at minus 130. Matt here, any plays in game one here? Like I mentioned, um, Chuskin's going to be a parlay piece for me with Nikita Kucherov and a shots on goal parlay. Nathan McKinnon's going to be played straight up um, on the shots on goal. He's at minus 115. Let me just double check the odds. Uh, they really juiced up Kale McCarr's assist. That's a little upsetting. Yeah, that's very upsetting. I'm not sure if I'm comfortable playing that one. Um there's one more guy that stood out to me. Yeah, Mika Rantanen, uh, minus 112 for an assist as well. He kind of took a back seat in that first round and was dishing out the puck a lot more than shooting. Um, so there's another guy that I like. Betsky, how about you? Any thoughts on game one here? Yeah, definitely taking McKinnon shots. I was just looking at team totals. Uh, Blues over 2.5 at minus 135 may be a nice little parlay piece or just bet to win the whole unit there. Um the totals are totally juiced already, which kind of stinks because I was hoping that that would be a nice piece. But mentioned it before, I think that Rangers series is going to be over most of those games. So maybe uh, taking the over six and parlaying that with the over six on the Rangers game, since they'll probably be falling on the same day for the most part. Um, you know, there's part of me that almost wants to sprinkle St. Louis money line. They've at plus 180 on Caesars. I mean, Colorado's been off for a long time. Maybe Blues are still just kind of in it. Maybe they can kind of surprise people and take that first game. Maybe it's like a gritty overtime goal, some greasy pepperoni pizza to knock it out and uh, pull out that money. I, I mean, it's not something I would put a full unit on. Yeah. Yeah. But, or, uh, Franco, any plays in game one for you? Yeah, I'm looking at, um, I'm looking at the St. Louis side actually a little bit. Um, there's some really good value on Buchnevich, Rob Thomas, um, minus 115 and minus 120 on those guys. Even Tarasenko's minus 20, 125 on a point. So, I mean, we, we haven't seen those numbers in a while. I understand they're favored, you know, to lose this game, of course, but I don't think Kemper is an otherworldly goalie. So I think they can get something going. I'm going to have to figure out which one I want to hit. I don't know if I want to hit all three of them. Um, and I also saw Devontae's is minus 130 a point so he's still not moving up despite I, i'm pretty sure he had a point in every game uh last series so i like that as well so uh, one, and, and mckinnon shots i'm definitely hopping on that that, that was not that i loved yep all right that's... one one other side prop that maybe worth sprinkling i saw it earlier in the season and wanted to start betting on it and then he went out landeskog had he was leading the entire league in first goal scored when he was playing at home. So first goal scorer, Landis Gog, maybe something to 
kind of sprinkle on anything, uh, especially at his home games. Let me try to find what that is, if they even have it up yet. doesn't look like they do. No, I, I couldn't find that. Um, all right, Cheds, I want to ask you a question here. Looking at all the sports book right now, they all have the total listed. Most of them have it at six and a half. FanDuel has already pushed it to seven plus 110. Do we think we continue to see that trend here, or do you think we hold steady here at six and a half? I think this line's going to be moved to seven only because all three uh, games um, between these two teams have gone over. Uh, on top of that, uh, Colorado's offense just scores at will. I think it's going to get moved to seven. I will, again, never take an over-under at that seven mark regardless. Um, so personally, I'm probably just going to stick away of the – uh, over under in this game if it stays in six and a half i might feel comfortable enough to maybe like we might have a three three game and push in o- or win an ot um, but yeah i primarily bet on FanDuel and it's still kind of holding steady at seven okay just yeah definitely monitor that moving forward um yeah like you said i don't hate it at six and a half um shockingly but um all right any other final kind of closing thoughts on this before we move to the battle of alberta one more thing, if you do think, like I said, for the other games, if they start slow, sluggish, you know, feeling each other out, you can get a better number live. So yeah. that might be something to look at as well if you want to stay off and wait. That's a good point, Franco. Um, all right. guess we can move on to the Flames Oilers. This is the first time they're meeting in the playoffs since 1991. Calgary's coming off a of game seven where they took down Dallas. Uh, Edmonton's coming off another game, game seven as well, where they took down the Kings here. The question for me, I guess, um, Calgary's facing some incredible goalies. Obviously, Smith had a plus 10.4 GSAX in the first series. Ottinger had a plus 10.1 GSAX. Next up after that is Markstrom, which is a plus 4.8. So a significant drop-off between the first two goalies there in terms of goals saved above expected. Do we think Calgary's offense kind of gets going here? Obviously, Edmonton doesn't play that defensive style uh, that Dallas kind of does, but do we think Calgary's offense kind of comes alive in this series? Matt, Chuck. I think it has to. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I think it has to, right? I think this season, these two teams had very high-scoring games, right? I mean, we all remember that the last one, it was like, what, 14, 15 goals scored yeah. <laughs> between the pair of them. Um but at the same mark, like the biggest, I guess, asterisk against Johnny Goudreau in his career is that his numbers drop off quite considerably in the playoffs. And he proved a lot of people wrong. He had an incredible game seven, right? He scored the game winning goal. He set up, I believe, the game tying goal, um, the second goal with Matthew Kuchuk. Um, he had a really, really good game. And that's a guy that I've been riding for an assist. I think he's hitting like nine of 10 games now. So I'm going to keep looking at him there. Um, and I didn't know that Mike Smith had that good of a goal saved above expected in the first round. Actually, that kind of came, it surprised me. I know he was good. And I know he was that good. Um, Cause in my head, I'm thinking the Calgary flames will not face off against like another Jake Ottinger. Um, and I don't think Mike Smith's going to perform like, like Jake Ottinger did. Right. Mike Smith got to play a Los Angeles Kings team that struggled with scoring all year compared to, you know, Ottinger doing against the Calgary flames who are like, I believe like a top seven offense in the NHL this year. Um, I think it's going to be different. I think Calgary is going to have to score to keep up with, but I think the Oilers with this, I don't know what to call consistent injury now with Leon Dreisaitl. 
Um, people believing it's a high ankle sprain, but he played in game seven, but he looked awful in game seven. I don't think he even had a single shot on goal um, in game seven. He was kind of invisible out there. If he's not 100%, I don't see a way that the Edmonton Oilers are winning the series. Yeah. Betsky. Is Connor McDavid kind of the only way the Oilers have a chance Arrow can win this series? Uh, well, it's, I think I said it on the first playoff previews we did, but I've seen Mike Smith do some stupid, dumb things before and really save some games. So I, I think a pissed off Smitty that uh, just gets totally locked in, may be able to steal a couple games here. And then obviously McDavid can steal some games. So I'm really torn on the series. I, you know, the brain says that Calgary should be able to handle this in five to six, no problem. But man, I just, I think Edmonton slightly do. I think watching Dallas really push Calgary to the very end and last moments in that series, it's kind of eye-opening. Um, I think the dry sidle injury could really change uh, what the outcome is here, but um Bouchard's looked really good. Nurse has kind of taken a step back and played really well defensively and just kind of a different type of shutdown position, at least uh, for some of the games I really paid attention to. Edmonton just got through a team that knew how to play them pretty well and, and were able to kind of give them hell the whole series and had a lot of playoff vets and cup winners on that LA team. I, for some reason, Calgary just seems a little soft mentally. And I think Edmonton may be able to, to kind of rally around that. Yeah. Franco, what are your thoughts here? Um, I do think it's going to be tight, a tight series, but with the dry style stuff, it just, it really hurts Edmonton. Their, their depth is just not good enough. I, I don't think so, at least even before him. Their third line and fourth line does nothing for me. So when I, when I compare them on paper with Calgary, it's just where's the scoring going to be coming from? I know McDavid can do it all by himself, and, and Kane has been on a tear. But yeah, I, I just love Calgary's depth. And if Goudreau's getting it going, Toffoli got a goal the other day. He finally got, got it going, so – I, I just – I don't know. I, d- I don't believe in Mike Smith. I know he's – his GSA, just GSA was like crazy. But, I mean, come on. This is this is Mike Smith, and, and the Kings haven't been known to score all year. So, <clears throat> I don't know. They, they just fire a ton of pucks on that. So, I, I think in a, in a six- or seven-game series, I, I can't see how Edmonton's going to be able to win against them. The other thing is – I. I mean, if we get kind of what everybody's expecting in a battle of Alberta where we start goading each other up and, you know, keying each other's cars after the games and whatnot, Calgary's got all the guys in the world that are going to be able to outmatch Edmonton there. I mean, Edmonton's got Cassian, and then it kind of falls off. I mean, I don't think Keith is really going to be able to kind of be that playoff warrior he used to be, but Calgary's got Tchuk who will do whatever he wants, to whoever he wants, Lucic, obviously, Anderson's a big boy. Um, I mean, it, it, you just kind of run down that lineup. And, and if this is going to get to be kind of an ugly 
true push each other in the boards, push each other into each other type series. I do think Calgary will be able to kind of beat down Edmonton over the course of the series. Yeah, and kind of heading into game one, the over-under is set at six, and I think that's kind of what they're expecting right now. Usually you'd see these two teams during the regular season, the over-under total essentially would be set at six and a half at least, uh, if not seven, especially given kind of the runs of the overs that these teams have hit uh, as of late. Calgary is minus 160 on the money line. Edmonton's plus 140 here. Cheds, what are you looking at for game one uh, in this series? Yeah, so for me on FanDuel, it's already moved to six and a half. Uh, minus 102 um and i like it i like it a lot i know a lot of people are going to look at calgary here um and say they didn't score a lot of goals according to money puck they actually scored the i think second or third had the second or third most expected goals they just came up against a wall in jake ottinger who played out of this world um i think they had 17 expected goals in the first round um i think they actually ended up scoring like 11 or 10 or something like that um on top of that, like, they look leaky, right? Dallas is able to score goals against them. And if Dallas could score goals against them, then I definitely think Edmonton could. Connor McDavid looked incredible in that first playoff series. Any doubts that people had about him in the playoffs, he literally put that team on his back in game seven. That second goal he scored where he dominated the puck for, like, what was like a minute and 20 seconds. Four scoring was incredible. This is going to be a really good series. Last game, like I said, they scored 14 goals. So I'm going to have to take the over six and a half here. Close to mine, or close to, to plus money. I think it's right at like minus 101 or minus 102 right now on FanDuel. Um, yeah, that, that's that's where I'm leaning right now for sure in this game. Yeah, I absolutely love the over six right now listed on DraftKings uh, minus for minus 120. I'm not even sure if that's the best price or not. I'll have to look around. But Betsky, game one thoughts here. Any plays? Yeah, I'll, I'll probably be riding McDavid over 1.5 points. That's been something that I think he's only missed one South LA Kings series. It was getting extremely hot near the end of that. I'll have to see what the line is once it's released. Um, I like the over as well. Um, this is another one where I think home teams had such a good advantage in round one. I think we're going to see some upsets right at the get-go. So, um Gosh, let me see. What is the Edmonton money line right now for plus one forty? Yeah, I don't mind that. I mean, Calgary may be a little tired. I know they got a couple of days rest. The other thing is Calgary taking some dumb penalties and putting McDavid on the power play, especially if Dry Seidel's injury isn't as bad as it looked in the other game. If he can get back to full health, uh, I mean, they may be really able to capitalize on that. And I, th- I think Edmonton's going to be able to steal a couple games here, um, and I could see it happening game one. Yeah. Franco, how about you? I like the over as well. I, I just see goals here. Yep. I, I think both both teams are going to come out firing. Um, one thing to note, uh, uh, shot props aren't out yet, but um, Edmonton gave up a ton of shots against L.A., obviously, both home and away, uh, more so away. And Calgary, obviously, we know had a ton of shots against the Stars. So I'm going to be looking for um, flame shot props for sure. Um I, I do think that, that um, this is going to be one of those home and away series where it's going to go back and forth. Um, during the season, each team was 2-0 at home, so they split. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to pick a money line on this on this first game, but probably the over and probably keep, keep an eye out for those player props. So. All right. I forgot yeah. to – oh, sorry. Go ahead, Matt. I, I was just going to go player props. Johnny Goudreau, I think nine of his last ten games, he's hit – 
uh, on an assist. Uh, so I'm going to keep writing him right there. Uh, Matthew Chuck looked like an animal last game. So I'm very curious on his shot on goal props. Um, so that's a good one. And on top of that, I forget the stats, but I think, well, Calgary like averaged like 42 shots on goal per game against Dallas. Like that's incredible. Edmonton gave up, I think it was like 38, 37, something like that. Um, 37.2. So definitely a lot of shots. I'm curious. I don't think I'll do a game one, but if Mike Smith has a good game one, I'm definitely going to bet it over on his saves in game two. Um, so that's an interesting angle to look for. Um, and then at home, I might have to go back to Noah Hannafin. I know Edmonton, I believe they gave up a lot of shots on goal to defensemen in the regular season. Let me just confirm. And Edmonton's awful against centers too, right? Against yep. shots. Yep. So, so Lindholm and Backlund again. Yeah. Back back, Backlund's, Backlund's already system. been a little bit of an all-star series one. Yeah. So even though he could have just was stuck at two. I don't know how he didn't get there. Last despite night. the team having 60. I know. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> All right, so I forgot to do these series picks in this one. So if you guys want to go down the line here and uh, give your picks here for winner and how many games. Calgary in six. Calgary in five. Good to Edmonton in six. Wow. Edmonton in – what do you say, Edmonton in six, Petsky? Yeah. All right, I'm going to go Calgary in seven here. I think this goes seven here. I think it's just one of those series of just filled off hate uh, and we get some incredible matchups here. And obviously the winner's going to take on Colorado uh, more than likely. Any closing thoughts here before we uh, wrap up here on the second round? I guess, well, yeah, I have a question for you guys. As of as the team's left in right now, give me your best Stanley cup matchup and your worst Stanley cup matchup, just personal basis of teams you'd like to see and teams you would just hate to see in terms of matchup wise. All right. So best of what I want to see is I want to see the Colorado avalanche going up against the Tampa Bay lightning. I think those that's going to be the fireworks, the superstars, the two teams at the beginning of the season, everyone predicted that almost never happens. Um, so I'd love to see that worst. Um, would be anything with the Rangers in the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, I'd probably say, like, St. Louis and New York. Like, if we had St. Louis, New York, like, dear God, I don't even know what I'm going to do. Frank, how about you? Best and worst? I guess most anticipated or kind of what you're wishing for and then what you're absolutely yeah. dreading? I think, like, the, the most fun would probably be Panthers and, and uh, Avs, right? I mean, that would just be – fireworks so i'll probably go with that and worst i'll probably i'll probably agree with uh rangers and blues so yeah i think so over under might be set at seven and a half colorado to florida and that one but yeah. what about I, you i'm oh, sorry i was just back. gonna say really quick um i completely forgot how exciting a panthers abs like series would be I think that'd be really, really exciting. I just think for me, the light, like the lightning storyline of winning back-to-back cups to win the third cup, they have to go through this gauntlet of a Colorado avalanche team. Like, I think there's so many good storylines, but I completely forgot. Like we might have an over under set at eight. If the avalanche (laughs) and Panthers play. Uh, Yeah. Can you, can you imagine the path too? they, they had to beat Boston. Now they need to beat the Panthers and then the hurricanes and then, and, or sorry. Yes. Yeah. 
Toronto Panthers and then Hurricanes and then Avs. That's like the, that is the gauntlet right there. I mean, yeah. they would solidify themselves as a dynasty. I, I don't know if you already want to call them that. They're, I look up to debate. They won two cups back to back. That hasn't happened in a very long time. I think they already are. But if you don't think they are and they complete that gauntlet, like there's no, you know, there's just no argument at this point. Like that team will be, you know, a dynasty and probably one of the best constructed rosters of all time. To do it in modern yeah. day when there's so many good teams, don't get me wrong, I know the Oilers, or was the Oilers, the Islanders, like they've done it in like the 70s and 80s. Totally there different. There weren't game. that many competitive yeah. teams. Like, yeah. There are what, no cap. 11 teams with more than 100 points this year. Yeah. Yeah. So going the fact off that. that the Maple Leafs, sorry, sorry, one last point. The fact the Maple Leafs had to play the Lightning in round yeah. one is absurd. Yeah, it's a travesty, really. Yeah. It's not it really. is. No. Yes, Chad's going off you. Tampa Bay is looking to become the first team to win the Cup in three consecutive seasons since the Islanders won four straight from 1980 to 83. So that was the last kind of great dynasty, I guess you can call it. Betsky, going back to the original question, most anticipated kind of nightmare fuel, I guess, for you. Colorado, Colorado, Tampa. I mean, it's the best team of the past five years or so versus potentially the new best team. Um, I mean, just two juggernauts, that would be just a killer matchup. I mean, both teams – both teams are physical. Both teams can score. I mean, it's just kind of perfect from top to bottom. Florida, Colorado would be pretty good as well. Um, worst, I mean, all four of these remaining teams are pretty interesting to some extent. I think as far as viewership goes, I'll lean to like Carolina and like Calgary or something. I mean, I still don't think there's probably only like 50% of Americans who can point out Calgary or Edmonton on a map or Calgary on a map. Um, Calgary doesn't have the same superstar potential that Edmonton at, at does at least where, you know, maybe 30% of Americans know who McDavid is. Um, so let's do Calgary and Carolina as maybe the, not necessarily the most boring, but definitely the worst for ratings and probably the one where most people kind of scratch their heads because they didn't realize that North Carolina had a hockey team and doesn't know that uh, Calgary is a city in Alberta. Yeah, pretty much. All right. Any closing thoughts here uh, before we uh, kind of wrap up shop for the second round here? Jeds, anything Hurricanes we got? Two. Hurricanes, Hurricanes and two. two. All right. Franco, anything you got here? <laughs> no, but I, I do say I, I kind of like Carolina to get there in the East. Honestly, just the way, just the way it's, it's shaped up right now. I, if that Lightning Panthers goes to seven and Carolina can handle New York in a, in a relatively easy fashion, it could be it could be relatively easy for them. I mean, relatively. Betsky, awesome Matthews to Arizona. So we're still open for here. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be uh, getting to watch awesome Matthews a couple times a week in a college arena and just one more year here. It's going to be great. Can't wait to bring the hometown boy home. <laughs> Awesome. All right, guys, that's been another episode of Expected Bets 4. Hopefully you've enjoyed our series picks as well as some game one money lines, totals, and player props as well. So thanks for listening. Have a good one.